Welcome to Songs of Praise from 3ABN Australia Radio. You gave yourself 
Untouched by men, prepared for the saved and the blessed. As he built forswear, far away somewhere, as a home for the saints to rest. So many have tried, but they couldn't describe all the beauties on that bright shore. For it's never entered into the hearts of men what the Father has in store. I could sing about heaven for a million years and never get a story told. 
of the jasper walls and the gates of pearls and the streets made of pure gold. Even John the Revelator in the heavenly vision could never really say what he saw. I could sing about heaven for a million years and still I could never tell it all. From the throne there springs a glimmering stream of waters pure and sweet. And it flows by the tree of life on its way to the crystal sea. And the precious stones that the walls rest on are of twelve different kinds. Oh, and the night will cease for the Prince of Peace is the light that forever shines. I could sing about heaven for a million years and never get a story told. Of the jasper walls and the gates of pearls and the streets made of pure gold. Even John the Revelator in the heavenly vision could never really say what he saw. I could sing about heaven for a million years and still I could never tell it all. I could sing about heaven for a million years and never get a story told. Of the jasper walls and the gates of pearl and the streets made of pure gold. Even John the Revelator in the heavenly vision could never really say what he saw. I could sing about heaven for a million years and still I could never tell it all. John the Revelator in the heavenly vision could never really say what he saw. I could sing about heaven for a million years and still I could never tell it all.
This is Songs of Praise, brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio. There is a shine. 
listening to Songs of Praise.
Can you see the sunflower radiant and round growing in the warm and dusty ground? Can you see it turning its face towards the light? Awestruck by the one that gives it life Like a sunflower Keep your eyes on me I will give you life I have set you free Like a sunflower Keep your eyes on me I will give you life I have set you free Can you see the sunflower standing in the Its tear-stained petals strong despite the pain Can you see the thirsty soil where roots grow deep Even though the skies above may weep Like a sunflower
Babylon the Great is fallen. She will die in sin and shame. Another voice from heaven will be heard across the earth to give a
to 3ABN Australia Radio's Songs of Praise. So you're stuck in the line at the grocery store With a million and one things Maybe some more that you've got to get done To meet a deadline Do you stand there and curse or wait well? Then you get on the road And you find yourself stuck Just ahead there's a learner Driving his truck and there's no chance to pass No alternative route Do you sit on his tail or wait well? And that friend that you're meeting you're gonna let down But you get there to find they're nowhere to be found Now they're holding you up It's time you don't have Do you pace up and down or wait well?
that you're following Christ. Every chance that you get, you share the Lord of your life. But so many take so long to accept and believe. Do you give up too soon or wait well? And there's some in your family who are wearing you thin. You have prayed every prayer you can send up to him. But you're not seeing change, no improvements in sight. Do you write them all off or wait well? And the world's in a mess, getting worse every day. You find yourself wondering how long will he take? There are so many suffering, can he not see our plight? Do you question and doubt or wait well? Shout all over heaven. I'm gonna shout. 
gonna be Gonna sing Sing, sing, I'll sing the day We'll sing the harmony I'll first walk down in the streets of gold In the garden of a new And clap my hands and praise the Lord And shout all over heaven I'm gonna shout all over heaven What a day it's gonna be
You've been listening to Songs of Praise, a production of 3ABN Australia Radio. Today, in 3ABN Australia Radio's book reading, we're continuing I Saw God's Hand by the late missionary pastor Elwyn Martin. Much of the book is set in Papua New Guinea, and is broadcast with the kind permission of Amazing Facts. In our last episode, during his last term in the islands as a missionary, Elwyn told of an invitation he had received to visit one of his missionary teachers, a Mohi, who was in hospital very distressed, and was asking for Elwyn to come and visit him. As I sat by Amahi's bedside and talked to him in Matuan, He told me the story. One Friday he had climbed a breadfruit tree to get fruit in preparation for the Sabbath. One of the large limbs snapped suddenly and he fell heavily to the ground, breaking one leg in three places and the other leg in two places. Apparently the bones were protruding in three places. It took the local people two and a half days by canoe to get him to Dam, the government headquarters for the Western Division of Papua. By this time his legs were terribly swollen and to make matters worse were fly-blown, covered with maggots. The Daru doctor took one look at him and ordered that he immediately be given anti-tetanus injections and flown to Port Moresby as a stretcher case. Almost as soon as Amorhi arrived at the Port Moresby Hospital, he was taken into the operating theatre where some hours were spent attending to his shocking injuries. When I saw him, both his legs were in casts from his thighs to his toes. He told me he was deeply concerned for his wife and several small children. They could not speak the language in the new area, and he was afraid that they might be short of food. Then he added 
that his wife was expecting a baby in six to eight weeks. I promised Pastor Amorhi that as soon as possible after my boat came off the slip the next day, I would get through to the Oriomo River to pick up his wife and family. That promise seemed to make all the difference to the patient. This emergency interrupted my schedule, for I had not planned to go to the far end of my field for several weeks, until it was time to pick up the students from that section for the new school year. However, there were several matters in that part of the field that needed attention, so I conferred by telephone with Pastor J.B. Keith, the President of the Coral Sea Union Mission in Ley, New Guinea. Arrangements were made for Pastor Keith to meet me at Daru four days later. I then sent a radio message to A.G. Chapman, the teacher in charge of the training school in my field, asking him to meet me at my headquarters in about 36 hours and to be ready to sail with me for the other end of the field to pick up the students. Brother Chapman lived about four to five miles from my station. We had a rather lively ride from Port Moresby to the mouth of the Vailala River, for the seas were anything but calm. Within an hour of crossing the Vailala Bar, we dropped anchor at my headquarters, and I was happy to find Brother Chapman waiting for me. Jokingly, I assured him that he would be in for a long ride, for the seas were very rough. The next morning, we put out to sea again, and took a battering for the next twenty hours, for we had a beam sea that caused the boat to roll excessively. It was certainly good to come into that partially protected waters of Dam Island. Pastor Keith was waiting there for us. After spending several hours attending to mission business at the government headquarters, we sailed for the Oriomo River. It was always a treat to get inside river waters after having days at sea in rough weather. We found that Mrs Omahi and the children were well, but I was concerned to find that the baby would be due much sooner than her husband had given me to understand. I'm sorry indeed, I told her, but I couldn't possibly think of taking you back to your home village now, for the seas are heavy. To take you out into the seas like that would bring on labour right away. She pleaded with me to take her and the children with us on the boat. She was worried because of the language problem and so tried to convince me that she had five to six weeks to go. I argued, you most certainly have not. You could not possibly go five or six weeks. My guess would be five or six days. Upon seeing how emotionally upset she became, I examined her and told her that the baby could be born at any time. But because of her mental distress, I would take her. She was most grateful and thanked me profusely. She insisted that I would soon learn that she was right and that I was wrong, for she claimed she had kept a careful record of her time. I knew I was going against my better judgment, but in view of my promise to her husband and because she was so emotionally upset when she thought I would leave her behind, I had to take her. I reasoned it would be extremely difficult for her when the time for delivery came to be among people whom she could not understand. Some hours later, when we headed out of the mouth of the Oriomo River, we found that the heavy seas had not abated in any way. The next two hours we ran in reasonably sheltered waters, 
and then entered into the rough seas. I was at the helm for the next few hours as we passed through difficult and dangerous waters, which were made many times more difficult because of the mountainous seas. The students we had picked up at Daru and in the Oriomo area were all seasick. About halfway through the treacherous waters, one of the crew came hurrying to the wheelhouse and excitedly said, Master, this fella Mary close up to mus. He catch him pickin' in. Please, you come quick time. He was telling me that the woman was in labour and that I should come quickly. Turning to my second in command, I asked whether he could take command of the ship through the remainder of the difficult waters. He replied, Master, me know enough, me no savvy this fellow passage. Suppose he got licked like see me enough along try him. That's all. He could not do it, but he did not know the passage through these dangerous waters. If there was no heavy seas, he would be prepared to try, but not now with these seas. I told the crewman that it was virtually impossible for me to leave the wheel, for no one else knew the passage. So I suggested that he ask Pastor Keith or Mr Chapman to deliver the baby. Pastor Keith and Mr Chapman immediately came to the wheel and throwing their hands up in horror declared that they wouldn't even have a clue about how to proceed. They had never delivered a baby in their lives. Within a very short time, the lad was back again urging me to come. Picking in he close up too much. I asked him to get the box containing all my medical gear and addressing my helper I said, William, you will just have to take over. And I gave him a few directions concerning landmarks and the order in which he would pick them up as an island was now well in sight. I then left the wheel to go to the maternity bay. There were no real problems with the navigation because everything went according to plan. However, because of the heavy rolling of the boat, this was one of the most difficult deliveries that I had ever undertaken. Soon news spread the length of the ship that we had another passenger on board. A baby boy had been born, and both mother and baby were doing well. As soon as I had everything attended to and was able to return to the wheelhouse, I found that William was just entering the Torah Pass, another little break from the rough seas. We had to make two or three more calls to pick up students, but the rest of the trip passed without incident, except that all the students and passengers were very sick. Everyone certainly breathed a sigh of relief as we crossed the Vailala Bar into calm waters. Mrs. Omahi informed me that she was going to call the baby Yurahenny, after the name of the boat. Both she and I recognised that we had seen God's hand at work once more. Before I drop the anchor and turn off the navigation lights, I want to breathe a prayer of thankfulness and gratitude to my captain by land, sea and air. Alma and I have left our hearts in New Guinea, the land of our adoption. My burden still remains, as when I wrote the following verses some years ago, when I was many days away in the mountains on an inland patrol. 
a missionary's prayer. There's something akin to the nomad that flows deep within my veins when I think of the uncounted thousands held fast in the devil's iron chains. In anguish they cry from the mountains over rugged foot tracks and veils. Good master, no rest can reward me while echo their pitiful wails. They challenge me too from the coastline. Ten thousand and more voices call. Please tell us the true living story of Jesus who gave us his all. Let me toil till my life work is ended. And then at the set of the sun, meet those precious gems of the islands and hear the words, Elwyn, well done. Hello, I'm Dr Barry Harker, Radio Manager at 3ABN Australia Radio. I would like to spend several minutes reflecting on the book reading that has just ended. First, though, I'd like to thank Dr Alan Lindsay for his beautiful, sensitive reading of I Saw God's Hand. Dr Lindsay is one of the busiest men that I know, and it's deeply appreciated that he's been prepared to allocate the time to prepare for and read this amazing book. Elwyn Martin's adventures in the Solomon Islands and Papua New Guinea belong to another era. It was the period leading up to and continuing for several decades after the Second World War. This era is now gone, and much has changed since the stories in I Saw God's Hand took place. Planes now accomplish much of the transportation that formerly took place with boats and on foot, and technology has made a vast difference in the lives and work of those who continue to take the gospel to far-flung and inaccessible places. The two countries that feature in Elwyn Martin's book are now independent, sovereign nations. The church in these nations is now administered largely by the descendants of the people who were reached with the gospel by Elwyn Martin and other missionaries. Yet the need to spread the gospel never ends, and while the methods must adapt to changing times and technology, the work must continue. The challenge is to continue the work with the same sense of calling and dedication that was exemplified in the work of men like Elwyn Martin and Len Barnard, who featured in the previous book reading. Elwyn Martin's book began with a miracle survival after the barge he was travelling on capsized crossing a treacherous bar at a river mouth in Papua New Guinea. Almost at the end of the book, Elwyn Martin survived a plane crash in which the pilot died. Elwyn was not expected to live, but eventually recovered. Another miracle. Yet the real miracles in I Saw God's Hand were not the miraculous survival stories, as compelling as they are, but the stories of lives changed and fear replaced with love and hope. The gospel is for all people in all ages. While there are those who are unreached with the gospel, the work must continue. The stories will change with the changing times, but the same dedication to the cause of the gospel is needed today. It has been wonderful to broadcast Elwyn Martin's stories and give due recognition to his unflinching dedication. I hope you've enjoyed the book and that your sense of wonder and appreciation of God's love has been aroused by these thrilling stories. Remember to tune in again next week as our next book reading commences. Until then, bye for now.
Let's listen to William Ackland as he shares a psalm from his paraphrase of the Bible called The Gift. David also wrote Psalm 58, and it is for the choir director. And the theme for this psalm is God's just judgment of the wicked. Do you speak the truth? Do you hand down true justice, you sons of men? Of course you don't, for in your hearts you plan evil things and dispense false justice that will harm instead of help. The wicked commence their evil course from the womb. They go down the wrong road as soon as they are born, speaking falsehood. Their poison is of a deadly kind, as of a snake. They are like the cobra, refusing to listen, which are not deceived by the tune of the charmer, even though they play ever so skillfully. Remove their teeth from their mouth, O God. Break the fangs of the furious lions, O Lord. Let them flow away as a twig in rushing water. And when he is about to release his bow, may his arrows fall to the ground in little pieces. Let them be like a snail dried up in the hot wind, or like a child born dead, not seeing the light of the sun. Before the fire pots are warmed by the crackling thorns, God shall send them flying in the whirlwind, in the fierce wrath that descends from him. When the righteous see the vengeance of God, they shall rejoice, and they shall wash their feet, as it were, in the blood of the wicked. So the people will say, Surely the reward of the righteous is from heaven. It is their God who judges the earth. 